what we actually do if, if we are not trying to estimate what will take us to the top 10, we're trying to estimate and to make sure that we are not uh, spending a, a money that is not needed. So to, right. to emphasize it, first of all, once we decide to go into global lunch, we are optimizing everything toward profit, not toward uh, placing the charts. Maybe it will be number 40. Maybe it will be number one. Okay. If it is number one, my risk is that it could have been number one for a much better higher margin and pay too much. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. In the Mobile User Acquisition Show, we talk about how to use mobile user acquisition strategies to grow your app quickly and capital efficiently. The Mobile User Acquisition Show is presented by me, Shamant Rao, mobile growth leader and founder and CEO of the mobile growth consulting firm, Rocketship HQ. Each episode includes strategies, tips, and pointers from the leading edge of mobile user acquisition that you can use to unlock tremendous growth for your app in a sustainable and capital-efficient manner. Our guest today is Nadav Ashkenazi, the General Manager at Supersonic Studios. Supersonic Studios is a subsidiary company of IronSource and has had five games that have hit number one on iTunes at the time of this recording. This, of course, is just a few months after the launch of the studio itself. I'm so excited for today's interview because Nadal pulls back the curtain on the ingredients of a blockbuster launch and goes over the exact process and circumstances that go into a top 10 launch. More importantly, he explains why attaining a top rank on the app stores might not be a worthwhile goal in and of itself. For these and many other insights into what it looks like at the top of the App Store charts, I'm very excited to present today's interview. I'm very excited to welcome Nadav Ashkenazi to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Nadav, I'm excited to have you on the show. Thanks so much for hosting me, and I'm super excited to be here as well. Indeed. Excited to have you because certainly you guys' studio has really hit the top charts on iTunes lately, uh, but I've also certainly worked with your team much before the games were on the horizon. And uh, we are going to dive into and talk about your journey, your process in getting multiple top 10 games in the top 10 on iTunes today. You guys have had five games that hit number one on iTunes in the U.S. This is even though it's been just a few months since the studio has launched. What would you say have been some of the key factors that contributed to this? Yes, so maybe I'll start and say that hitting the number one is, is, is not the goal for us. Uh, I, I more look at it as a, as a result. Uh, hitting the number one mainly means that you manage to get significant amount of installs in probably a, a shorter uh, time window uh, in a specific uh, country like the U.S., and I think that the key for succeeding and scaling your titles and, and getting to number one as a, as a result is in two different steps. The first step will be uh, probably to pick the right title to launch. And, and this is something that we do uh, and focus a lot at the marketability potential of the title. And will we be able to scale this game significantly? Of course, profitable once it's out. 
So this will be the first step, and, and, and the second side will be once the, the game is, is being published and, and, and is being in, in production, how sophisticated are you in, in both the creative and the CPI optimizations, two important factors that, that impact the amount of insults that you get. And if you pick the right title, and if you are doing the right choices and, and optimize correctly both creative and CPI, I think that you should get significant amount of, of in-stores and then find yourself number one or two or three or even seven or whatever it gets. But I think that this is the key. Yeah, I like what you said about being number one is not necessarily the goal. I also have perspective from four or five years ago when you could basically buy burst installs. You could have number one. It would cost you a lot of money, but you could get there and a lot of games got burnt doing that. Yeah. It, uh, it, there, there were certainly horror stories of companies that essentially lost a lot of money on it. So definitely like what you said about it, uh, about just that being a, almost a byproduct. Uh, and certainly we'll dive into some of the other aspects of what you said about picking the right title and making sure it's a foundation for launch. We'll dive into that. But also I would like to spend a little bit of time around just the whole top charts and the dynamics of how they work. Because iTunes has de-emphasized top ranks in favor of editorial content. And in fact, I remember iTunes before 2017 or 2016, the top ranks were fairly clear and up front and center. Now I have to just browse through it, look through it. It's not very clear and obvious as to where the top charts are. Mm-hmm. How impactful is the top 10 ranking or the top one ranking today compared to what it was before? Definitely low. Let's look at it from the organic impact, right? Which yeah. is probably one of the most important impact of, of topping the charts. Used to be a very big uh, reason for growth in organics. And, and, and as you said, uh, I think that lately in the last few years, Apple have the top three in a much less visible uh, location. And, and today, when I analyze my organic installs and, and my K-factor, I actually don't think that the place in the chart has a significant impact. For sure it has, because for sure some of the users are uh, finding this top three and, and, and maybe installing accordingly, but definitely not as, as, as often as it used to be. And as I look today at organics or K-factor, I look at it mostly from the virality uh, perspective, Meaning what we see is that, that games that have good uh, score, that have good retention, that have good playtime, have a better K factor than others, regardless of their place in the chart. It's it, it more a friend brings a friend or a friend plays and say, look at this awesome game, why won't you play it as well? Or he's sitting in class in school and, and he plays and, every, and all the, the other classmates see the game he plays. I think that today, the main ability to get big a uh, portion of, of organics is mainly thanks to the quality of the game and less to the place in the charts. Although I still believe that there is impact. And, and, and when we climb in the charts, we see some impact on organics, but not something significant. It's not the, the biggest motivation for organic. Yeah. And to the extent you're comfortable sharing, would you have a ballpark estimate of how much it has decreased compared to the previous app store? I would say that uh, today the K-factor is uh, purely from the charts, won't be more than 5% or, or, or yeah. something similar. 
the rest 20, 25% or whatever you get depends on the game. I assume it comes from virality and not from the place in the charts. It used right. to be uh, 20, 30, 40, 50%. Yeah. Uh, if you organics, it's not the case anymore. Yeah, you know, those are certainly numbers I've seen. And I've certainly seen games that hit like the top three in the past hit like 100,000 just organic installs. And that is definitely not out of the questions per day. And certainly it sounds like that those numbers have been significantly diminished now. And you did mention that the top ranks are not an end in itself because eventually you're looking at the long-term marketability, the long-term profitability of the game itself. You briefly mentioned there's a, a, you know, you evaluate the game before the launch. What does that evaluation process look like? What does the soft launch process look like? And you said picking the right game is important. How do you decide mm-hmm. which game do we push into the top 10? Yeah, so I, w- I would say our uh, sorting process has a few stages. Um, the very first initial stage is just intuition. We are looking at the concept. Probably it's not even a game yet, or maybe it's already a, a ready game, or maybe only a prototype, or maybe only a video, or maybe only a, an idea on, 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 on a doc. Uh, but the first filtering is, is being done uh, manually by intuition of, of our publishing managers or game designers. And it's mainly according to first market trends. So we're pretty much, and again, we have the experience of being in the industry for 10 years. And we have a pretty broad uh, uh, overview definitely now when we are testing so many games a day, what works better and what works less. And, and many, many times we are able to uh, probably kill or pivot an idea even before spending $1 just according to the look, to the feel, to the to the alignment with the current market trends, etc. So this is will be probably the first sorting where we are sorting probably half of the ideas pitched to us and, and kind of picking the, the, the right half that in our eyes has much better probabilities to succeed and scale according to market trends and what we see in the market. The next step that we are doing is we usually start a, a, a Facebook test and just to fill both the CPI from one end and the retention, playtime, and, and, and other uh, potential uh, monetization uh, factors. On the other hand, what we're trying to do is we're looking at the overall picture. We understand how marketable the game is, and it's only indication, right, because we're looking only on Facebook and, and it's a limited aspect. We are, we are understanding how marketable. And, and, and we are using our own algorithm to kind of convert these uh, results from the initial test into a, a, a potential future CPI on scale that we believe we can achieve. And on the other hand, we are looking at the game itself and the retention and the playtime and the game characteristics, the potential to add rewarded video. And we are kind of estimating the potential LTV of the game. And then we are seeing if, if, if we have a game that in our eyes can generate significant profit on scale. If yes, we are moving to the next phase, which is the soft launch. And in the soft launch, we are actually converting assumptions into facts. We, we don't need to assume what will be LTV anymore. We, we will know now what will be the LTV. Same for, we don't need to assume about marketability based on one test that we are doing. We're probably going to soft launch a few different channels and, and to look at a few different creators and, and, and much more data. And the soft launch is kind of the final validation uh, for us that our estimation based on the previous stages were white and this game actually can be profitable in scale. If it is, 
We are, we are moving into a full global launch worldwide, Android as well, etc. And our goal, of course, is not to be surprised in the software. My conversion rate that I'm aiming to have is 100%. Because every game that I moved to soft launch and, 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 and I eventually found out that LTV and CPI are not proper, like, like I expected, meaning that my analysis wasn't solid enough and I need to rethink about my analysis because it's a waste of time, focus, money, not only for me, also for the developer that we're working with, if it's external published app or, or, or vice versa. And we want to be as accurate as possible, as early as possible. Right. So you are iterating on the game, you're looking at the metrics, and you're gradually proving out. Actually, you're running ads to at the game to see what the metrics are, to see if this can be profitable at scale. And once you're past that soft launch phase, you realize, okay, we, we do want to go big. How do you estimate what sort of download volume you need to hit going out of the gate to basically hit the top 10 or top three? How do you uh, come up on those estimates? So what we actually do is, is we are not trying to estimate what will take us in the top 10. We're trying to estimate and to make sure that we are not uh, spending uh, uh, money that is not needed. So to, right. to emphasize it, first of all, once we decide to go into global lunch, we are optimizing everything toward profit, not toward uh, placing the charts. Maybe it will be number 40. Maybe it will be number one. Okay. If it is number one, my risk is that it could have been number one for a much better higher margin and yeah. pay too much. So yeah. what we usually do is, first of all, um, after the soft launch, we analyze the data, we understand the output, we understand the CPI, we understand the potential. Yeah. Then yeah. we try to understand, okay, let's assume that we are going live uncapped with this CPI. We don't want to get more than 100 games of the day because then yeah. if you are the top one, you already maximized, probably lower the CPI still will put you in the top of the charts, still high scale, yeah. but better margins. So, so we try to understand whether it's going to be too much or not. If we don't think it's going to be too much, we'll continue ahead as planned, optimizing towards our target margin. And, and if we find ourselves getting too many installs, we are lowering the CPI even further. If not, we're keeping it as is. Yeah, and I think that's an important consideration that you could just get too many installs. Yeah. And you waste your money. Yeah. I did some work on Words with Friends at one point, and I was talking to the team. Words with Friends was in the top three for 45 days. And one reason they were able to do that was basically the process you talked about. They were like, how do we make sure we don't overspend? Because they were like, look, we have so much cross-promotion that we can go on. And if we just spend 500,000 users today, we'll be in the top one. But we don't need 500,000. We just need like 100,000. We just need the right amount. And yeah. I think that's so important to note. And like I said, Words with Friends, they were like top three for like 45 days because of that. They could keep that momentum for much longer. Once you decide, okay, this is how many uh, installs I want to maximize my profits, that can come from paid uh, user acquisition, can come from cross-promo, can come from organics. You said, you know, it's far diminished, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. How do you oh, figure out how does this breakup happen among these resources? 
Yeah, so first of all, already in the soft launch, we, we try to understand, and based on other games, we try to understand the, the K factor and the organic insights that we are getting. And, and what should we aim in terms of paid installs? And, and cross promo, we look at it as part of the paid installs. Regardless if you are paying for this or not, it goes through the regular paid ad, ad units and, and, and paid campaigns. And so what we are doing is, we understand, okay, we want to get, we believe that 100k is definitely doable for this game. And let's say that we have, we'll have 20, 25k coming from organic, 75k. And then we understand, okay, we, we, we always start with the strongest channel, both on social and SDK networks. And we usually use the, the soft launch period in order also to optimize the creative per channel. And then when we go into the global launch, we'll probably have already the right bid, the right creative set up for all UA channels so we can get to the uh, very calculated goal we, we put and, and, and hitting the margin goal, which is the most important and challenging things to do in this phase. Right. And when you say hitting the margin goal, when you're getting like 100k installs a day, you only have D1 or maybe D3 data. So are you having D1, D3 targets based on your soft launch? How are you looking at that? So in the soft launch, we actually accumulate at least day seven. Okay. So sometimes uh, day 14 or, or more. And, and in hyper casual specifically, day seven and day 14 gives you quite a good uh, indication to your LTV. Uh, sometimes it will be a bit better or a bit worse. But once you understand that you have stable data for day seven, let's say, you have some good understanding of, of your day 30. But yes, it, it, it's a guess. And we try to do it as accurate as, as possible based on our data. And then what we are doing is, is, is once we are optimizing the UA on a daily basis, we are looking at day zero, uh, many times day one, day three, but, yeah. but, but a lot on day zero, because if there is change in trends, we want to react as fast as possible. Yeah. Uh, if monetization uh, drops because uh, of X, Y, Z, we don't want to wait until day three cohort and find out that we lost money for four days. We already want to react on day zero once we see that day zero is lower than what we expected. Yeah. And, you know, when you say you do need to react quickly, I imagine that's even more important when you're in the top of the charts. You're getting hundreds of thousands of users. What does the cadence of check-ins look like at that point of time? Are you, like, meeting every three hours, every six hours? What is the check-in process at that time? So I would say uh, really, uh, I don't know, it's 24-7, but 18-7, uh, yeah. okay? Uh, yeah. we, we have our real-time systems. Uh, we are connected. We have alerts. Uh, and we're looking carefully for changing trends. Uh, probably we will catch it, hopefully, uh, in the same day it happens, sometimes in the day after, because usually in the same day, day it's hard to notice it, because in the middle of, of the day it's hard to understand the full day zero output that you would have. Yeah. But the morning after, when you have the full day complete, you can easily see that the differences that you had from day zero yesterday comparing to other days. And if we see something that doesn't look good, we're already acting in the morning after. And, and, and then, you know, waste one day of, 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 of unexpected activity, but, but this is it. Right, right. And how do you assess, oh, if day zero is good, how do you assess the duration for which you should push a game in the charts? Uh, during the launch phase? So, well, actually, from day zero until the, until we, we stop the UA, we are always optimizing through the margin. 
Uh, if the game will stay in the up, up in the chart, if we take a short it, uh, the game that we launched on, on beginning of February as an example, already uh, three or four months in the top 15 in the U.S. Yeah. This is not the goal for us. Uh, we are optimizing this DVA just like we're optimizing anything else. Mm-hmm. If the game is marketable and we are doing a good job on the optimization of the CPI and, US, and, and, and creative, it will stay in the top of the charts for a very long while. Sure. Makes sense. And, you know, when we say charting, typically we are referring to the U.S. iTunes charts. How do you think about some of the other geos? Do you just have separate planning or strategy for different geos? Do you have geos by tiers? How, how do you think about that? So there are a few geos that we are looking the, at them uh, independently. Uh, U.S., of course, uh, China, which is a very big market. Japan, which is very unique and, and high potential market. Uh, I would say UK is the same. And these will be uh, countries that will typically look at the actual need per country. Then we have the other tier, uh, let's uh, call it tier one uh, group of countries uh, from Australia to New Zealand to Germany uh, to Korea and to many, many, many other places where we're optimizing according to, to the tier, tier one uh, ability. And then we have the tier two, tier three. But we, are, we always do it globally, and we put as much attention as the potential of the country for us in terms of the revenue and profit. Sure, that makes sense. And do you notice that Android charts behave very differently from iTunes uh, when you're launching a game? Not as much. All of our games have got to the top in the iOS, got to the top in the Android as well. Yeah. Uh, some games, again, per game... There is different behavior between Android and iOS. Uh-huh. Some games will be very, very successful on Android and, and only a bit successful on iOS or vice versa, mainly because the, the type of user is, is different and the type of execution. Sometimes game that works very, very well on, on, on iPhone won't work well or as uh-huh. well on Android device and, and maybe this game is a better fit for iPhone and less fit for the Android. So, so there is definitely differences between Android and iOS per right. game. But I would say that in general, we treat the Android chart and the iOS chart the same, and we are optimizing both of them the same. Right. After you guys have launched, you guys, you know, decide to go big, and you're still optimizing for profits and margins at that stage. Let's assume once an app is out of the launch phase, and you're like, maybe, you know, we don't need to push that hard. We don't need to get to 100K installs every day. It's maybe a couple of weeks. You're in what you might call the post-launch phase. Mm-hmm. What are some of the key UA strategies you look at for your games? Yeah, so one of the interesting things that we're doing in the post-launch phase, first of all, in Supersonic, we have a title growth manager, which is the owner of the title that is owning both supply and demand, both ad monetization and user acquisition. He is the full owner of the title, so his responsibility is to take this title that was picked and designed and improved in our gaming hub and, and was served out of many that were tested, saying, hey, this title has the potential to be a big hit. The job of, of this title owner, growth manager, is to take this title, which has the great KPIs, and to make it a multi-million dollars a, a hit. He will be owning everything related to the UAM and division of this title, with a team that support him, of course, from analysts to, to operations, etc. But but what we will do is, and I think that this is what nice that the same person because he has the full picture. 
from one hand, he can see the uh, LTV performance of the title. He can uh, he see the ARBDA, the ACPM, the impressions per user per ad unit. He can affect the waterfall. He, he can discuss with different ad networks from Facebook to AdMob to Unity, etc. Uh, how to optimize and squeeze the lemon on the LTV side. On the other hand, he's also managing all the UA side on social networks and on SDK networks and optimizing the biz and the creative for each channel. And, and I think that the fact that it's the same person owning the full business operations of this title is a very, very strong ability for us because he can close the loop yeah. much faster and much, be, be much more efficient. So if you see that he improves something on the waterfall and you see that the app down, the ACPMs climb, he knows automatically how to increase the CPI to keep the margin and to get even more scale, which we can thanks to the higher LTV or vice versa. And the fact that he can close the loop so quickly is, is one of our key elements for, for managing several hits in the top of the charts. Just to also dig in, you said there's one person in charge of UA and monetization. Mm-hmm. Is this person managing all the channels or are the channels divided between a couple of people? How does it work? He is the owner of, of all the titles. He has operations that he can allocate. He says, okay, I need your, your support from the operational perspective on the social and your support on the SDKs. And, and it really differ between titles because some titles are stronger there and some are stronger there. But he yeah. is the owner of everything. All the UA channels, every dollar yeah. spent on this title and yeah. every, by this title is under his hat and he can yeah. allocate the resources accordingly between uh, the team. Uh, according to the potential of the title and, and how well it works in each channel. Yeah, and that su- seems like such a well-oiled machine for not just for scaling the game that's proven, but everything you talked about is so impressive to me from the ideation stage to proving it out to soft launch to going big and, of course, to continuing to scale. Uh, you know, this is definitely one of the things I find very, very impressive about how you guys have executed, and it's certainly not surprising that you guys have hit the top rank for five of your games in just a few months. And Nadav, this has been incredibly instructive. Thank you for pulling back the curtain behind the hit games that you guys make. Uh, It's been a pleasure having you on this show. Uh, To wrap, could you tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and the games you guys make. Yeah, so they can log into our website, supersonic.com. Uh, they can t- contact us uh, if they want to work with us and, and to get our support of publishing their games, feedback on the game, UA and everything. We, we are here. We are, we are planning to keep going. We launched another game yesterday, and we have another five launches for the next month. Uh, yeah. And I expect all of them to top the charts because all of them have the right promising KPIs. And we are always uh, happy to work with the talented uh, game studios, and, and we believe that Supersonic has a lot to offer. So we are here. The, we can be contacted via the website, and we are looking forward to a great 2020 full of great games. Excellent. Yeah, exciting time for you guys. Uh, I will look out for those five games, and we will certainly link to your website and how uh, other game developers might want to contact you guys. We will link to all of that in the show notes. But for now, uh, it's been an honor having you. Thank you so much, Nadal, for being on the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. If any of this was helpful or instructive, I would love for you to leave us a review or rating 
on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast fix. This podcast takes a ton of time, effort, and love to produce, and I deeply value every review and every piece of feedback that you share. Thank you for listening, and I will look forward to sharing our next episode soon.